Brits takes. It's a header from centre. Here's Belly Alley. Welcome to the Fifth Substitute Podcast. This is our second episode of the series, and today I have with me the usual six, seven, including me. And guys, say hi. Hi, hi. Hello. Hello. Are we sure we have connected to everyone? Yes, yes we are. Yeah, yeah. We, are, we are connected, yeah. Today we are discussing some pressing matters. Pressing in the form of the De Classica, which was held on the 26th of May. And of course, COVID-19's impact on football and uh, what the future lies for football in this scenario, in this whole scenario. As we were going through the derby this time, the De Classica, it was different, to be honest, because it was without fans. And the match was a good one. I thought it was a very gripping match. The lineup of the match was Gnabry Lewandowski and Kingsley Coman started up front for Bayern. Leon Goretzka, Thomas Muller, Joshua Kimmich played in the midfield. Alphonse Davis, David Alaba, and Jerome Boateng and Benjamin Pavard were at the back line. And Manuel Neuer was the keeper. And for Borussia Dortmund, the lineup was Thorgan Hazard, Erling Haaland, Julian Brandt at up front, basically. And the midfield was bossed by Ashraf Hakimi, Thomas Delaney, Bahud, and uh, Guerrero. They played three at the back, Matt Hummels, Manuel Akanji, and Lucas Pichcek. And in the keeping keeping position, it was Roman Buki, whose ultimate mistake then, like sort of mistake, ended up them in them losing on being on the losing side. Of course, it was a good chip by Hoshio Kimmich. And uh, I'd just like to know the views of the people on the panel. I'd just like to know the views of Anish on the whole scenario of the match and how it unfolded. What we witnessed on 26th of May was quite spectacular, actually. Like we saw the first. Dirk Lassiker without fans. I think it's the first one. It was a very bold statement, I think, by the Bundesliga to uh, organize this match. And in terms of the uh, analysis of the match, I think before going into too many details, I'd say that the main point of difference between the two teams was the midfield. And I think Bayern, uh, their midfield was spectacular. And in comparison, Dortmund were not as good. And so they lost. Defensively, both teams were solid. And as you said, they would have remained tied 0-0 if not for the mistake. Also, the wonderful chip of Joshua Kimmich. So, yeah. I'd like to hand over my analysis to Mitsu, who go on. Yeah, I would like to say that just before going into the very great analysis of the match, uh, I'd like to give the role back to where we have Bundesliga fan actually who is a supporter of Bayern Munich. This is on us. I just I would like to know a brief history about uh, the recent modern rivalry between these clubs and what is this uh, change of power between the two clubs which at this pivotal point of uh, the season coming back after the COVID 
break that we have had a great title challenge if not this match uh, what are your views on what is this modern uh, rivalry that you can seek and what do you talk about that's a great question actually it all started like uh, from 2008 when uh, if you guys remember jurgen klopp joined dortmund so basically sure. jurgen klopp uh, till then the bundesliga was dominated by bayern munich yeah there were stances or like periods where we uh, we fumbled but dortmund from 2008 to 2013 yeah 13 13 14 they were phenomenal and being the two powerhouses in germany being namely bayern and dortmund so it was a spectacle to behold because whenever the two teams met it was the clash of the highest quality and two passionate fan bases going at each other and two teams two star studded teams going on head to head that's how and mishran uh, would yeah, you that, would you say that the matches between these two the der klassikers in those in that era itself determine the title at the end almost always do you would yeah, do you think yes that? yes yeah. big yes because uh, for the truth be spoken like bayern munich have had a like cake walk in terms of uh, winning the league titles but the only team uh, who have like given us trouble is borussia dortmund again and again be it dfb pokal finals be it be a crucial match for bayern they will be there to stop us and yes it's a it's a clash of the titans and i couldn't agree more on that fact of course that heavy metal football attracted eyes they it, it was a very good sight to be honest and uh, klopp in the years in, in the making he, he took some years in the making of the squad and yeah, ultimately course, yeah. i think they trumped over bayern for two continuous seasons i think uh, yes. yeah klopp yeah. won the masterchala for the good yeah yeah, yeah. consecutive season the dfb pokal so yeah it was a brilliant yes. sight and um, going back to this match itself i just like to uh, hear your thoughts on hosua kimits kimits's performance if anyone if anyone could describe that how well he played or what critical things he did oh. in the match that determined the result ultimately can we hear thoughts on this from uh, michu or anish first yeah. of all i'd like to ask jishron about how versatility of kimich was explored by hansi flick and how he was converted to midfielder for mm-hmm. from a right back so what what are your thoughts on that speaking on that like uh, i think modern football has changed and the term versatility has been put to the forefront by all of the great managers because if you have versatile players in your team it's like holding an ace that you can bring on at any point and which may turn out to be a like a great benefit for your team in the end but speaking of joshua kimmich when he joined bayern munich he was termed as a successor to the great philip lam of course you cannot replace lam but when he plays in the right back position i cannot tell any difference because he is phenomenal he is smooth and from the first season itself he turned into a player without whom we could not imagine our first 11 starting 11 so the one thing that attracted bayern's eyes was the versatility of joshua kimmich and uli honeck our ex bayern president put emphasis on the fact that we should convert him into a cdm if possible and uh, he was bought in from rb leipzig if you remember correctly yeah he was a designated right back but there were some matches where i saw him like playing in the midfield position and he was doing a damn fine job so i think that is the trait that attracted bayern towards this player and he was eventually bought in during the initial seasons uh, like he played as our designated number one right back but 
as uh, with the signing of Benjamin Pava fullback Kimmich got the green flag from Hansi Frick this year to go and join Thiago in the midfield and alongside Goretzka so uh, and he has been a revolution man the way he plays the way he controls the game his ball control and the way uh, he finds a player that's phenomenal to me and i think he is doing a damn fine job uh, even though many people may prefer like him as a right back yeah he's a better right back but i think he will yeah yeah yeah, yeah. rigid continue yeah yeah adding to your part this john i like i think you address some very good points because i remember hoshio kimik coming to anfield last season as a right back and he absolutely bossed it man he actually contained sadio mane to a certain extent i remember him shouting after making one tackle against mane because yeah. that was a brilliant performance at at right back and uh, surely he was missed when he was not there in the second leg because rafinha played i think and like sadio yeah. mane of course exposed that wing and the, he did that chip over manuel neuer so yeah if you look at it they missed one critical player and they lost the whole match uh, by a margin of 3-1 which was earlier nilin in the first leg so i think yeah. it's it is suggestive of the powers of hoshio hoshio kimik in that squad and talking about versatility i think we should all address the fact that this sport is becoming more competitive every day and players don't get time between the matches unless there's an international break or something they are absolutely playing matches left and right almost every weekend every midweek which is it takes a toll on a few players and some experienced few aged players don't get through all of that and sometimes you need those certain players who can step up from from a right back position to a midfield position which i think hoshua kimich has done really well and hansif like kudos to him to arrange his tactics in a way that involves him at that holding midfielder role and i would just like to understand the role he played in that match anish can you just elaborate on that yeah so uh, byron played the four in the back and on uh, right back benjamin toward was present what hansi flick uh, instructed him to do was to press high up the field and uh, in terms of attack i'd say that uh, his role was to create a, an overload on the wings and also to uh, on uh, on the defensive side he would have to uh, create some pressure on rafael guerrero so hoshua kimich would actually drop back to right back position to cover for benjamin bavard Uh, he would also move uh, further forward uh, when the ball was in transition and we saw an amazing flick of course from outside the box which led to the goal also uh, i would like to say that because of kimich's positioning he played a very very uh, good role in keeping dortmund's attacks to the wings at bay what do you think about the role of ashraf hakimi uh, do you think uh, michu uh dortmund initiated with a uh, with which they prefer actually after the bundesliga have come back into its premises a three at the back uh four followed by the three at the front actually hakimi played a semi full back and then a full flank on to its wing back position that he played i believe hakimi's role in the initial uh, stages of the game till around 25 to 26 minutes before the goal was conceded was very one sided as he was going through the flank and he was operating towards the flank so you could see from the defensive line there was always those long balls that uh, hakimi used to receive during cutback throw of the entire match and there during the transaction but i would believe that uh, hakimi as a progressive player uh, coming from loan from real madrid would say he had a very good season but this was a particular game whose i would say hakimi's mistake of uh, not capability of his passing 
and Han being disclosed by their defensive line of Bayern Munich was a, one of the most pivotal points which caused uh, Dortmund the game. I, I think, Michu, yeah, yeah. That's very true, right? Yeah, Michu, I think Ashraf Hakimi's the occasion got too big for him, I think. He has played some brilliant football over the past, in this season, to be honest. And yeah, I felt like it was a too big of an occasion for him. It, certainly, his performance was at par at best. I'd just like to know the basic analysis of this uh, whole thing. I felt that Dortmund was trying to be very proactive with their formation. And Bayern, both teams were like guilty of being too cautious. And I think Distron told me this before we started recording. He saw the match and he told me that it was one pass too many for Dortmund. Which is basically sums it up for them. They just, just could not show up. And they, of course, they missed their 12th man in the form of the fans. And looking at an empty signal in the park, it was a bit eerie. So that is the match roundup from us. Let's go on to the tactical defensive uh, errors or let's uh, talk about the entire tactical analysis. If not, uh, just a brief about the thing that uh, Dortmund used a profound 3-4-3, whereas Bayern Munich initiated with the 4 in the back, 4-2-3-1, with the pivot being held by Leon Goretzka and Samaj Hoshua Kimmich. Whereas Thomas Muller played a very free role at moments, but also was very important when Hansi Flick's initiation of this high-pressing and counter-pressing tactic that made Dortmund at moments, at very profound moments, to come back to a 5-4-1, which made Haaland an isolated forward. And of course, that was when the entire trajectory of the game changed and this high-pressing intensity of Bayern Munich, what led to the goal of Hoshua Kimmich, this beautiful chip that led uh, Norman Burki to do that mistake. If we talk about that defensive trajectory that Dortmund followed, I would like to know about the captain's initiative or captain's contribution toward the game. I would like to know what Anish have to say on, on that behalf. Uh, just give me an insight. Or I would like to rather go to Dishiron as he Bundesliga's uh, generosity about it. What do you think the countryman Robert Lewandowski, uh, Lukas Piszczek was? How good was he during the entire match? I think Lukas Piszczek played a very crucial role for Dortmund in that game because he was going hand to hand with Robert Lewandowski as they are countrymen. So Lukas Piszczek knew Robert Lewandowski really well, and uh, let's face it, Robert Lewandowski has been in, has been on red hot form this season. And there were some phenomenal tackles and interceptions made by Lukas Piszczek, which, so like, if they had found Robert Lewandowski, they were certain goals. So even though it didn't seem like Lukas Piszczek played a very influential game, but to my eyes, he was very influential in that game. Mm, yes, yeah. I, I do. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. This, the partnership, the CB partnership of Piszczek, as well as uh, Matt Hummels, who have come back, back to his home, as we say, from Bayern Munich after winning the trophies with Bayern Munich. I would like to give a spotlight on his behalf that Robert Lewandowski and Matt Hummels have been playing together for both of the clubs to and fro for a lot of time. They Even this experience of knowing each other could have been seen towards the entire match as they act as like uh, the yin and yang of the match. Whereas if uh, Robert Lewandowski in the match and uh, Matt Hummels was able to capture the defensive tactical about, about it, I would just like to just talk about the defensive fluidity of both Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich. What does uh, Anish have to say about the defensive capabilities of both the teams? I think both teams uh, have veterans in terms of defenders. 
they're, they both cancel each other out actually in terms of defense. At times they're impenetrable and also the goal line clearances from both teams because Pichai as well as Boateng. Uh, we saw a very mature game in terms of defensive actions. Yeah, that's all, you know. Like, also, uh, we have to talk about Haaland because he is a man of the moment actually. Uh, the way he has risen uh, this season. I'd like to know from uh, Drisiron about how Haaland came to be Dortmund. Like, are you talking about, about the Haaland transfer or are you talking about that particular game, Anish? I'd like to know about how Haaland has changed the dynamic in uh, Dortmund's attack this season. Okay. I think Haaland has been the main season why uh, Lucas Favre changed it to three at the back forcing both the fullbacks to go forward to provide crosses because he's a, he has been a phenomenal goal scorer and many of the assists have been provided by Guerrero and Akanji, if you remember. So, uh, Haaland will eventually get better. There, there were some problems uh, in the Bayern game where he was not, fullbacks were not able to find him. Uh, so, if he was at the right place at the right time, I think like Dortmund could have scored three easy goals. Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah, that's very a, much true. Uh, go on, yeah, there was a critical Arjip. intervention yeah. from Boateng, I think. Uh, one that Haaland shot and uh, Boateng just uh, deflected it. It was certain it was marked for goals. It was, it was a nutmeg to Neuer, actually. And he was at yeah. the right moment. Yeah, but like, like, uh, I, I saw that, I saw that. Yeah, but I think Favreau would have been disappointed because as skilled as Haaland is, you, you would expect him to like put it towards the far corner, which was unguarded. But he took the shot. So it was missed opportunity for Dortmund, if you ask me. Yeah, even I believe that uh, this lack of experience was what that I believe the entire match revolved around this. Uh, I would like to take a simple moment of describing the Haaland's positioning in the entire match and what this uh, certain change in formation of Dortmund led to this defeat of them once and for all, if we say about it. As Dortmund initiated with the back three, due to the high pressing of Bayern Munich, they were not able to, at moments, were not able to pass the ball to their fullbacks, as who acted as wingbacks as well. So it, uh, I have a stat with myself is that as the defensive errors uh, we be talk about, if, even if we talk about the pressing, it was the the right flank of the entire match that 46% of the attack that was transitioned in that moment. And talking about Haaland and talking about Haaland's positioning in the match is that. First of all, during the first half or before they concede the goal or before they uh, turn out to be a defensive team, Haaland was always present between the defenders and cutting out the line between them. That is David Alaba as well as Jordan Boyteng. Whenever Hakimi was able to get the ball into a post or uh, near the post or into the final third, Haaland was able to go to make that runs between the midfield, uh, between the defence and at one point or the other, uh, was supported by Julian Brandt and hence they got three to four very impressive chances if if they could have covered into goals that this match could have been very different but then yet again i would say this i believe it's a defensive inexperience of lucien favre at points that the whenever they uh, they come back to a defensive point of 5-4-1 halan was the only center forward or the only one who was isolated in front just covered by david alava uh, by jerome devoting and benjamin Pavard at moments so i think this change of positioning that once uh, initially, during the match, he was supported by both of his wingers. And now, just as the match evolved into this curriculum, the match grabs its momentum. He was uh, forced to play an isolated role, which ended not getting too much of the ball and not having too much of the ball and not uh, getting more of the covering chances. What would you like to say about this, Anish? And what do you believe? Uh, how was this curriculum would change, if possible? 
Yeah, you were right. Haaland was isolated and Dortmund stuck to their tactics, the initial tactics. They didn't change much. They should have got the ball in front. They should have put uh, more men forward to uh, provide for Haaland. They were mostly uh, providing through the uh, wings. And I think the Bayern defense had it covered, the crosses, I mean. Also, Bayern did a really good job in blocking out the central areas. I'd like credit the midfield again. Great work from them. Uh, and if they would have attacked centrally, I think there would have been a lot of chances created for Haaland. Also, he, uh, Haaland got replaced because of an injury. Yeah, maybe he, he had run too many uh, miles, I guess. Also, talking about impacts, uh, what do you think about Alfonso Davies? How did he uh, become such an important player for Bayern Munich this season? When he was initially signed, like I was not even sure. I'm sure Hansi Flick was not even sure what to do with him. He was in the initial matches. He was bought in as a left winger, uh, like to play five ten minutes as a substitute. But with the injury to Nicolas Sula, he suffered an ACL injury, and our number one right back, uh, our number one left back, sorry, David Alava was shifted to the centre back position, and Alfonso Davies was given the start at the left back position. I don't even know what to say about that because Hansi Flick, it was a masterstroke for him. It worked out really well. And I'm pretty sure he, he will replace David Alaba as the number one left, left back in Bayern going forward. But let's yeah. see what happens next. He's yeah. such a young player as well, you know. He's such a young yeah, player. Exactly. He, he has made such a huge mark on the whole team. I think he, at the moment, he's irreplaceable in the team. Talking about exactly. tactics... Talking about Davies, I would like to know uh, your thoughts on Alfonso Davies, Anish. First of all, his main strengths are his pace and his recoveries. And I think uh, Hansi Flick has used him to his full potential. In the game, we saw how quick he was, how quickly he uh, got from one end of the pitch to the other and provided so many chances for Bayern. Also, his recoveries are phenomenal. He's so fast. I mean... If you look at it, like Ashraf Hakimi was having a tough time with him. And if you compare him to Ashraf Hakimi, like if you compare the roles, Ashraf Hakimi is also a young player, but he couldn't... I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the confidence. Maybe it was a lack of experience. He just couldn't match Alfonso Davies. I th- uh, Anish, I think, I think uh, it was a lack of match smartness because uh, he's street smart, Alfonso Davies. From where he comes from, he had to be... Like that sort of a player, and I think uh, he's always his mind is always present in the match, and he always has this this work rate in, with himself backing him, which I think is is missing in a lot of young players because they ha- they are of course they are talented, there's no doubt in that. Ashraf Hakimi itself he, he himself is talented, but then yeah, Alfonso Davies is something he thrives when he's in pressure and uh, he thrives when he has to work in order to get to the recoveries. Talking about moments of the match. What do you think about the penalty situation, guys? Talking about the penalty, I would say, um, if I would give a just brief about what the referee point of view it is. Whenever Jerome Boiteng, uh, during the shot of Haaland in the penalty box, he was already with a wibble feet and was uh, about to fall. And was that elbow that he got out of his body is somehow a way of, what do we say, uh, during an impact, if you need to slow down your impact, you do it in order to save your body for a big fall. So even that, in, in association with it, he was also facing the goal, not the goal, uh, not the ball which was shot by Haaland. So through a tactical and referee, referee views that it was accepted by the referee that it was a very unnatural position and could not be given as an end ball. And 
in association with that i would say two very important uh, dortmund mistakes that could have been a game changer and could have led to the penalties there if so it was uh, accepted as a handball neither haland nor of the uh, players who were present in the box even uh, shout out for the um, handball to the uh, sideline referees and it was never called out for a, a review of var after this uh, chaos just to build up to the momentum of the game they took a very short and quick corner kick which also made the time period which takes var in order to calculate or to see if the thing if it was a handball or not and the referee mistakes of giving it the penalty was also been lacked because of the quick transition or taking of the moment of of getting the corner kick so these two mistakes if i say dortmund would have been a bit patient towards the entire decisive thing they could have had a penalty but we will say one thing for again and one thing for all that hansi flick's mentality towards going to the game hansi flick's entire association with his players this managerial tactics this experience in all of the players with thomas muller lewandowski present in the squad this was a great win for bayern munich and i think this was a title clincher for them for going to the bundesliga uh, i would like to pass the mic back to arijit tadavdar and I just uh, go yeah. to what you think and the conclusive remarks of concluding this whole tactical analysis or rather the match analysis i just like to ask uh, all of you that we heard that kimich was given the man of the match and i thought he deserved it uh, don't you guys think the same uh, yeah. yeah i, I do. think i, I do. think yeah kimich he, he deserved it uh, davis gave a, a close competition but i think kimich has it yeah it was a match of very good performances to be honest from both sides of course the winner winner gets it all and kimich played that wonderful chip no matter what the frailties at the goalkeeping position was it was a good chip let's be honest and yeah that is all for this tactical analysis of this match and of course this match was a brilliant match and a bit different but the football was all the same and it represented something more than itself i felt like so yeah thank you hey superb it is a beautiful strike from yozoa kimish we are recording this episode we have been receiving some news from the media agencies that leagues are about to resume because they want to finish the season off uh, because it is important for the european qualifications as well as their own standings and financial backing due to those standings and i'd just like to move to swagatham and uh, swagatham would you let us know about the starting dates of these respective leagues yeah as we know bundesliga has started we got the news in 10th 10th of may that uh, bundesliga will be started following we got the uh, fantastic der klassiker last last tuesday i think so may 26 it was yes. a fantastic match of course we have covered that uh, analytic in the first part so moving on to the next uh, which is la liga we have got got the news that it will start from 11th it will be a good competition between the top two teams that is barcelona and real madrid that are two points apart also uh looking on to the next that is the premier league which is a good news for the liverpool fans uh which will be starting in june 17 also for the ronaldo fans sorry italian fans sia will be starting uh, on june 20 same sia <laughs> 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 will be starting on june 20 which will be a good contest between the top two teams that is the inter and juventus also we will not see the start of the league one 
because it was dissolved. So it could have been a good league because the relegation was very tough in the bottom of the table. So that's it from my side. Uh, I'll move to Saurav for what he wants to say about the uh, pandemic. Saurav was discussing about the financial <coughs> problems yeah, yeah. the clubs will be in yeah. after yeah. after this pandemic gets over or like during this pandemic itself. Saurav, would you just let us know your thoughts on this? Yeah, definitely. So I was going to say, I want to uh, walk our listeners through uh, some figures that uh, not only the football world, but also uh, other sports have to you know go through in during this pandemic situation so uh, as tokyo olympic games was scheduled to happen in 2020 is actually postponed and they have to incur a heavy loss of 75 billion dollars uh, which is a triggering amount to say and also focusing on the european side uh, the top five european football leagues would incur around 4.3 billion dollars due to the delay uh, in the pandemic and if they are to, uh, as the news reporters have given us uh, great news that the leagues are to be back soon. So uh, I guess there will be uh, some compensation amount from the heavy part that they have lost due to the TV broadcasters. They will be uh, on a roll if uh, leagues are back again. As far to stress upon uh, UK, their losses are uh, summed up to $860 million. That not only uh, includes uh, football, that includes cricket and rugby as well. So I would like to stress upon the situation of uh, different clubs across uh, various leagues in, the, in Europe and, uh, the, and the world at large. So uh, the elite clubs, uh, the top tier clubs won't uh, face much of a difficulty because they have a sufficient amount of bank balance to run their uh, clubs uh, smoothly, Absolutely. but yeah, tired, yeah. Uh, so they're the tire, mostly the tire two and tire three uh, clubs are on a roll here because their matches or their clubs run uh, from their upcoming matches. Yeah, so yeah. they will face the real jitters here. So yeah, they uh, are robbed of their ticket money as well as the gate receipts yeah, and everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So the three most money sourcing or the uh, financial situation that happens to glue the uh, football uh, arena together are the broadcasters, its sponsors and uh, its fans, definitely. So uh, even if the leagues uh, will resume, uh, we won't see much of the fans because the leagues will be happening with an empty stadium. Only the players and management team would be present. But uh, we'll definitely uh, see, an exp- uh, see an exponential rise in TV broadcasters' uh, schedule as because not only the fans who uh, travel across cities to watch uh, their favorite club in, in the stadium, but the whole uh, football community across the world will uh, be glued to their TV sets, uh, undoubtedly, uh, once these leagues resume. That's my take on that. Yeah, I think uh, the TV money would certainly help some of these clubs because... Yeah. As we know, the situation is really grave since there are no people coming in, not no away fans, no ticket pricing, and etc. Yeah, yeah. I think the premier source of income would be the broadcasting. The broadcasting. And yeah, of course, Sky and BBC, and the of course the channels in at least in England, they have vouched to telecast almost all of the 92 matches that are left to be held. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, going yeah. to the bottom club situations or rather the middle range clubs. They are going to be the facing the brunt of it, as Saurav already mentioned. What do you think the scenario would be if this pandemic or this closed doors matches goes on for another season or so? 
I'll just like to move this topic to Dushiran and Michu. What do you think about it? I would just uh, give in a very good uh, thought about the entire league system of first tier of the Premier League and the second tier being the Championship. Actually, uh, as we know as of this moment, um, the situation is that ten Premier League clubs have confirmed that they are not willing to take part in the entire uh, continuation of the Premier League coming back into its forces because of first of all they are very uh, afraid that most of their staff members and players would be affected by the pandemic and could catch the covid-19 and this have caused a lot of problem when a statement said by Troy Deeney that he has a 5 month old daughter and this situation would end up in very horrific manner if the leagues were allowed to continue but yet then we really have this very important topic to talk about the relegation battle that we are having at this point of time that the premier league table as the point of time as it stands just between the 15th and the bottom team there is only a difference of 5 points which could be if uh, during a couple of weeks of match days could change the entire figure of what it is that uh, we can still stay a battle between brighton and southampton to get into it uh, west ham if if not this is the financial thing that if these clubs were not to play in the premier league or were not to be added to the initiation of the premier league after the covid-19 break it would be a very horrific thing to be happening as well because if not the relegation battle then who are the teams that would be added from championship to the premier league as west bromwich albion and uh, leeds united are the top two teams leading in championship would it be a 22 uh, i think uh, we they are only team. trying to put emphasis on the premier league and uh, yes. i don't think the championship is starting it is i think only the, the first no, no, year no. the championship league Cham- championship league have uh, initiated that it would be starting from the 20th actually 20th of june the championship yeah. and the championship, uh, uh, championship. championship the championship yeah. the championship championship and uh, league okay. 1 and league 2 league 2 of the third and fourth tier has said that they would be initiating just after the championship starts from 20th it would be 21st and the 22nd it's a very logical uh, move then it's a very logical move very logical move so yeah. i believe if not the relegation battle does not be in fought and it would be very uh, tough for the next season to initiate which is accepted to be starting from september if so i believe we should take bundesliga as an example the premier league should take bundesliga as an example and take the necessary measures and the reforms in the entire medical staff with the association with all the services and the police departments to get back the league and just end the thing because there are two things first of all the relegation battle that is very important for the teams who need to have premier league survival and yes the most important thing after so many years of fighting for it liverpool would uh, have this final golden chance of getting the hands laid on that premier league title finally some justice <laughs> final final it's been it's been 30 long years i have never seen my team win the league come <laughs> <laughs> on life i've only seen the the blue teams the the mighty reds and the, the other red basically <laughs> the basically the blue teams live the live the cup it's been painful and it was going to be painful if the league wasn't to continue but then yeah i'm very happy of course for liverpool but then i feel like premier league was needed in all our, all of our lives because it was dated players let's be honest it was dull when football was not there for the last three months and i'm excited about it and i'm excited about all these the spots that are yet to be filled up because chelsea and leicester are not yet sure about the spots manchester city of course they'll retain the spot Leicester, Chelsea, Sheffield, even yeah, some of the those clubs just above the top, uh, just above the tenth position, are all in for the kill because these nine matches can be anything. 
it's very unpredictable time to pop the cha- time to pop the champagne right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we still have two wins to go and uh, arsenal play manchester city on the like the mm-hmm. first match good luck so with that an interesting match up <laughs> and i think it will be a different one because uh, if it was to happen in a normal season i think manchester city would have had the upper hand but we don't know about the comparative uh, fitness of both these squads so i am not taking any sides right now so yeah i'll just like to um, move on to the next part of this and uh, just address the transfer situation and what the transfer market be like or is it like right now when this pandemic is going on because i have i think we are having some news from the transfer market uh, sort of can you let us know about the transfer market right now yeah uh, actually we have been expecting uh, most transfers uh, most uh, you know probable transfers to be happening in the summers but uh, due to the uh, ongoing pandemic some slight uh, changes have been uh, seen and uh, to put stress on chelsea roman abramovich he put in a hefty sum of money uh, in the pool of chelsea to uh, acquire new players this summer but i don't uh, think last year transfer then yeah. He yeah. didn't want to okay, uh, so spend the money. You, you go on. Yeah, yeah, you can continue. I just you are talking about Chelsea. I was yeah, too passionate. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got passionate. I know. So, uh, yeah, to acquire new players, but I don't think so that uh, much of the hefty transfers will be happening around the corner. And uh, to stress on uh, Manchester City, as uh, they will probably be facing the UEFA ban. Guys, save it for yeah. another episode. <laughs> Start your batteries now. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do one more uh, episode on that. Yeah, leave it. So of course, definitely. No, I, I love the banter. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So many of the players, I guess, would be leaving City because uh, these are limited chances they'll get to shine. So uh, looking over the City side, uh, they'll be targeting uh, Leon Patrick Bailey from uh, Leverkusen. They have been in talks, and also Jan Guto, who is very young individual. in the right back position which you can relate because walker might be not a healthy uh, you know position to play with because uh, he is in for the money i know that he parties too hard <laughs> yeah exactly and once city gets banned from the uefa he won't be getting that much so he he would probably leave us yeah so yeah like uh, just adding to it now i'm receiving this news of uh, regarding moro kadi swagatham would you like to add up on this i think uh, psg signed the uh... Marikardi for a fee about 56 million pounds I think so yeah it was a good move by PSG but as Saurav said that it will be a tough competition for the transfer market will be a tough competition for the mid tier teams but not for the top tier teams like PSG City Chelsea also we can see that uh, Manchester United took a, a loan of 150 million I don't know what purpose was for that so we can see a lot of change in the transfer market will be a lot of inflation And it will be a tough competition for mostly for the mid tier teams. What do you think 91. about the takeover? The uh, takeover of Newcastle is it, is it going to take place or what? No, I there will be more years. <laughs> I actually, man. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Jordi just can't catch a break. That Mike Ashley, man. Also, so it's a good thing, right? Chelsea fans won't be switching sides. Yes, yes. Oh, yet, yet, yes. yet again, yet again, yet, yet again. again. From City now to Newcastle. Yeah, City to City to Chelsea to again Newcastle. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Always been an Alan Shearer fan, bro. <laughs> so it has been an interesting contrast, don't, guys. Don't you think it has been an interesting contrast, like how the like mid-tier teams are struggling and PSG just went out and splashed 50 million on Icardi with a like 15 million clause that if they sell him back to an Italian club, 
they'll have to pay to enter. So, guys, don't you think that's a bit unfair in the game? Of course, it's unfair. Of course, of course. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that is, that is just suggestive, suggestive of the financial disparity between these clubs. And of course, these clubs get away with it, and the clubs who are actually producing some good football and good showing in domestic cups as well as the Europe, they get caught out for absolutely nothing sometimes. And talking, these clubs get talking away about with transfers, it. or is it talking about transfers? Putino yeah. uh, is a wanted man. Well, not wanted at Bayern. I don't know why, but he's <laughs> wanted, wanted all over. All over. Uh, not wanted at uh, club starting with B. <laughs> <laughs> You see, what do you think? Why, why, why uh, are Bayern not offering him? Uh, because uh, the most important thing is Thomas Thomas Muller is back. The great Romtai, the uh, uh, like Roin Poida, Roin Poida. Yeah, exactly. The space, <laughs> like, the space interpreter, the self sound Roin Zoycha. We have been waiting for. So this. he's back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's back. He has extended his contract, and also right now Coutinho is. I think he's injured. I think he went through an operation. Probably his season has ended. But Hansi Flick is still keen on him, and Coutinho wants to stay. So I I don't think negotiations have taken place. So it's like all these rumors going he's around. Limbo, isn't he? He's caught in limbo. I mean, they they yeah, want he's caught in a limbo. They want nine million for a loan move, a loan like more yeah, than seventeen million for a transfer. Yeah, true. And I think uh, we, we can be on honest about the fact that Coutinho. Has played some very good matches for Bayern this season. Personally, I've yes. seen him play really well in certain yes, matches. Yes. And sometimes disappear yes. in certain matches. Yes. But then that, but that is happens that when is transition what, into another league itself. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah, as sure. as you can see, like other players have been performing really well. And in the Bayern squad, to get into the number one position, you have to be at the top of your game in every match. Otherwise, like there are. There is a lot of competition, like among the squad, and Hansi Flick inspires com- competition. And if you are not competitive enough in his like eyes, then he will switch you out. For Coutinho, like I either see him going back to Barcelona, or I think Bayern Munich will extend another year, probably. Or if not, I think Barcelona is, uh, I think, willing to offload him anywhere, anywhere they can get a few bucks for him. So that's my point viewpoint. Yeah, we know that inflation would be getting to the to nerves to edge each and every owner's wallets. Would they would have tight pockets this uh, this season and the following season they would. We could see more loan deals coming into each and every league uh, rather than player clauses. I think this was a very good conversation that we have. I'd like to appreciate each and everyone for giving their viewpoints upon it. A very good conversation of the second episode of our podcast. Uh, Thanks, boss. Going. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Jurgen Klopp. So yeah, of course, I'm not your boss. <laughs> so um, with this, I would like to just say one of the other things that uh, the COVID-19 situation have been very horrendous towards uh, football and every each one, each and everyone facing the problem. And you know, uh, a football club not only plays its parts in the pitch, but also plays its parts in its communities, uh, plays its parts in the entire locality, and plays works as a very iconic monument for each and every person that supports it or even lives near the stadium or even the, its own uh, ground or facility. In the next episode, we would like to go on, scratch a bit upon it, and talk about all the community work, all the things the clubs have been doing in order to trace back all the happiness that was lost. From the COVID-19 struck, and with this, I'm Mitesh Mahurwa signing off with all of my friends present in the panel. So, uh, signing off, we say goodbye to us. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, Peace goodbye, guys.
Goodbye, lads. Stay safe. Corner taken. Gigs in.